the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. Knowing that you cannot find them all. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear that sound. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. This is speaking of the people of God. The people of God are at the point spiritually and morally where the word of the Lord is a reproach to them and they have no delight at all in the word of God. And what does it say in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of God. The people of Judah in the time of Jeremiah turned their backs on God multiple times and were given warnings to turn from their ways of idolatry and to worship God alone. When they didn't, they were given more warnings by Jeremiah until they eventually were defeated by their enemies. Pastor Dan will take you to Jeremiah today to show you that when you know God's will and continually choose to do otherwise, eventually you'll find yourself facing the consequences of those sins. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. The Lord says this city is a fountain of wickedness. All that comes out of this city is filth. Violence and destruction are in her, in her streets. Her grief and wounds or her sickness and wounds are ever before me, God says. This is what God saw when he looked at the city of Jerusalem. He just saw a steady stream of filth coming out of that city, violence in that city, destruction in that city, a city that's just filled with sickness and disease. And I read that and I wonder, what does God see when he looks at our cities? What does he see when he looks at Baltimore or Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia or Las Vegas, or New Orleans, or Los Angeles, or Hollywood, or New York City. How would God describe those cities? Look at verse 8. Now he speaks to the people of Jerusalem. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. He says, be instructed, Jerusalem, be warned. He's trying to get them to repent at this warning here. He says, lest I turn you into desolation, And I make you an uninhabited land, which is what he's going to do because they don't repent. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean as a vine, the remnant of Israel as a grape gatherer. Put your hand back into the branches here. He's saying Babylon will pick you clean. There will be nothing left of you when Babylon is finished, like a farmer, a grape gatherer who goes over all of the vines to make sure he has gathered all of the grapes off the vine. Babylon is going to pick them clean. They're going to completely wipe them out. 
Verse 10, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear, speaking of Jerusalem, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Now, earlier the Lord said that their hearts were uncircumcised. Now he says their ears are uncircumcised. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, when Stephen is giving his defense and he's going through the history of the people of Israel, he says, you of uncircumcised hearts and ears, you've always been stiff-necked against the Holy Spirit. He uses the same language that Jeremiah uses. Their ears were uncircumcised. That means their ears were closed to God. They refused to hear God's word. Look what it says at the end of verse 10. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. This is speaking of the people of God. The people of God are at the point spiritually and morally where the word of the Lord is a reproach to them and they have no delight at all in the word of God. And what does it say in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of God and he meditates in the law day and night. Listen to what it says. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to what it says in Psalm 19 about the word. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Here we're told that the word of God converts the soul. It makes wise the simple. It gives joy to the heart and it gives light. It enlightens the eyes. But the word of God had become a reproach to the people of God. They no longer delighted in it. They didn't like the word of God. They didn't want anything to do with the word of God. It had become something that they scorned. They mocked. Much like today. Much like today. There are many people that are, you know, the people of God who find the word of God and what it says a reproach. You see a major denomination right now about to go through a split. Uh, Because you have a part that wants to stand for what the word of God says. And you have another part that that's a reproach to them. And so in the near future, I would expect you to see a split in that denomination. So now you're going to have two factions within that church. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Therefore, therefore, because the word of the Lord is a reproach to them, because they have no delight in the word of God, therefore, the Lord says, I am full of the fury of the Lord, and I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who is full of days, him who that is young and has their life ahead of them. And their houses shall be turned over to others Fields and wives together, for I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord, because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, 
Everyone is given to covetousness, and from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now he's speaking of the prophets and the priests in verse 14 when he says, they have healed the hurt of my people slightly by declaring peace to them when there really is no peace. Now, the New Living Translation of verse 14 reads this way. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. The priests and the prophets, the men of God, they are offering superficial treatments for mortal wounds. They're lying to the people and telling them, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're telling the people, everything's okay. God's not going to judge you. There's no judgment coming. The Babylonians aren't coming. You've got nothing to worry about. And they're lying to the people. This is like a physician who gives a person with stage four cancer two aspirin and says, oh, you're healed now. You're fine. And that's what the priests and the prophets were doing to the people of Judah. The moral condition of the nation was grave. It's an emergency. Time is running out for Judah. And yet the spiritual leaders who should have been telling them the truth were saying, hey, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. And so verse 15, the Lord goes on. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. They weren't ashamed about their sin. They were proud of it. They did it openly. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time I punishment. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Now, verse 16, we come to verse 16. In verse 16 now, the Lord, because he's gracious, he tells the people of Judah what they should do. And he tells, he tells the, the nation of Judah that they're at a crossroads. And he tells them how they should handle this crossroad, what they should do to pick the right way. He says in verse 16, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways, stand in the crossroads, and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then will you find rest for your souls. And so the kingdom of Judah, they're at a crossroads morally. They're at a crossroads spiritually. And here's the thing. They didn't realize they were at a crossroads as a nation. They didn't realize they were at a crossroads morally and spiritually in their nation. And yet God tells them here, you're at a crossroads. They have basically, you know, Two ways they could go. Uh, They could continue on their path of rebellion and rejection of God, which God is telling them that's going to lead to destruction if you continue on this road. Or they can repent and they can turn back to God and God will forgive them and restore them. And so they're at this crossroads now where they've got a choice to make of what direction they're going to go as a nation. And just like us, uh, we come to crossroads in life at times We come to a point in life where we have to make a difficult decision, where we aren't sure which way to go, which way is the right way, what we should do. And here in verse 16, the Lord tells us what we should do to know the right way to go. The first thing he says to do is stand. Just stand at the crossroads. And the word stand here, it means to stand still. It means to uh, stop moving. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. 
first, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. You know, so often we come to uh, crossroads. We come to a point where we've got to make a decision, and it's a big decision. And we get so, you know, knotted up and anxious that we just kind of rush into a decision. And we just do what we think is right, and we just kind of run in a direction. And what the Lord is saying here is, stop, just stand still, be still, and wait upon the Lord. Don't rush into the decision. Don't jump the gun. Just wait, just stand still, be still, don't do anything just yet. He says, stand still and see, or stand still and look. You know, stand at the crossroads and look. Look at where you are, look at where you've been, look at where you're going. Uh, Assess the different options you have before you. And most importantly, look in the scriptures. Look in the word of God. Look to the word for your answers for direction, which way you should go, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God tells us, it shows us the way to go. Search the scriptures for your answers, for your direction. So they're to stand, they're to look, and then he says, ask. Ask for the old paths where the good way is. Ask, ask. You pray. It's another word for asking. You ask the Lord, which way should I go, Lord? Which way is the good way? Which way is the right way? And then God says, fourthly, what you should do is walk in it. Walk in it. Whatever way God tells you to go, go that way. Walk in it. Even if it doesn't seem like the best path for you, or you don't really see how that path is going to lead you anywhere, you walk by faith, not by sight. And you just walk in it. And the promise that he makes here, when we come to those crossroads in life, and if we stop and we just stand and we look and we ask and then we walk and whatever God tells us to walk in, the promise is you will find rest for your souls. And here, here, the Lord says to Judah, you're at a crossroads and this is what you should do. Before you proceed any further down the road, you should just stop and wait upon me and look at the situation, look at the direction you're going as a nation, and you should pray, you should ask me uh, for the old paths where the good way is, and then walk in what I tell you to walk in. Obey me. Go the way I tell you to go, and you'll find rest for your soul as a nation. Now, just another little note here about uh, verse 16 this phrase, ask for the old paths, uh, that phrase is a favorite phrase of people who oppose change in a church. And I'm talking about stylistic change. I'm not talking about doctrinal change because truth doesn't change. 
but style changes. The style of ministry can change. And quite often when you have a church that is trying to change style, you'll have someone quote this verse and say, we should stick to the old paths. This is how we've always done it. These are the kind of songs we've always sung in this church. We've always had this order for ours. We need to stick to the old paths. That's not what this is talking about. Here, when it refers to the old paths, it's talking about God's word. God told Judah to return to the old paths. Go back to the word of God. Go back to the timeless truths of scripture and walk in them. Walk in the word of God. Obey the word of God and you will find rest for your soul. That's what he's saying here to them. Now look at their response at the end of verse 16. But they said, we will not walk in it. Now we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Well, don't you want rest for your soul? Yeah, but I, I don't want to do that. You can just see just the hardness of their hearts at this point. Verse 17 The Lord says, also, I set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, "Mm, we will not listen. Now, watchmen were placed on the wall of a city to watch for any approaching danger, like an invading army. And their job was to sound an alarm to the people in the city when danger approached. And God says, I've put watchmen on the wall who were the prophets that God sent to Israel. And they're sounding the alarm. And the people are choosing just to ignore the alarm. And they're just, well, we're not going to listen to that. We don't believe you. Again, they just refused to respond to God's warning. And they just ignored the watchmen. They ignored the alarms that God was sending to warn them. So verse 18, therefore, hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. Now he's speaking to the nations of the earth, all the other nations, and says, I'm going to bring judgment upon these people. The fruit of their thoughts, because here's why they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. This is why God's going to judge them. They wouldn't listen to God. They wouldn't listen to God. You know, Judah sowed the wind. And she will reap the whirlwind. God warned them over and over and over and sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And they refused to listen to God. That's why he calls them stiff necked. Because they just refuse to turn their heads. God's direction. I'm going this way. Remember in the last chapter last week, they set their faces like stone, like rock. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm not going to hear it. And they just refuse to turn. Now look at verse 20. For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. The people of Judah continue to keep up their religious activities. They continue to go to the temple. And continue to make offerings to God and sacrifices to God and burn incense to God. All of the religious stuff they were still doing while they were worshiping idols. While they were disobeying God and rebelling against them. And God says, hey, your offerings are not acceptable to me. See, they thought 
as long as we continue to go to the temple, we continue to keep up the religious activity, God will accept us no matter what we're doing when we're away from the temple. And God says it doesn't work that way. And the same is true for us. You know, we can come to church and be involved in fellowship, but your life needs to match. You know, what you do in church needs to match the rest of your life. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm here and so everything's good. No, it's a life that you're living. This is just part of your worship of God and it's part of uh, your relationship with God. You know, you can't have kind of this double life that you're living where you're one thing at church, but your life outside of church doesn't match in any way. That's what's called hypocrisy. So he says, I don't accept your offerings. Therefore, verse 21, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. The people of Judah will fall. Thus says the Lord, behold, a people comes from the north country and a great nation will be raised from the farthest parts of the earth. Again, speaking of Babylon, they will lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and they have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea and they ride on horses as men of war set in array against you. O daughter of Zion, uh, you know, the Babylonians were notorious for their cruelty to those that they conquered. And the people of Judah were aware of the cruelty of the Babylonians. And now look at verse 24. The people of Jerusalem say, well, we've heard the report of it. We've heard about the Babylonians. And our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman and labor. They were aware of the cruelty of Babylon. And they were in anguish and terror over the thought of the Babylonians invading their land. And yet they refused to repent. They knew how bad the Babylonians were. And they refused to repent and call upon God for help. It's really amazing to me how a heart can be so hard towards God. A person can have such a hard heart and such a stiff neck where their sin is literally destroying them and destroying their lives, killing them, destroying their family. And they know that it is. And they still don't repent. They still won't turn to God. They still won't turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. They still reject God. I've been in situations before just as a pastor where I've um, gone to the hospital or someone who's had a drug overdose or someone who's been in an accident, drunk driving or whatever. They've almost been killed. And they know that their addiction is destroying their life. And they know the gospel too because it's been told to them a dozen times before, and they still will just reject the gospel and reject Jesus Christ. And they're laying in a hospital bed, and they still refuse. Just, just the hardness of the heart, the stiffness of the neck. And God warns the people of Judah in verse 25, Do not go out into the field nor walk by the way, because of the sword of the enemy, fear is on every side. So now the people have to live in constant fear instead of just repenting and having rest for their souls. They choose to just live in fear. They'd rather have that than the rest that God provides. 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.